Amen. You ready to get in the Word this morning? Hallelujah. Well, I thought I was going to preach one message, and um, actually had a, I thought it was really, it really looked good on paper, you know, and I had, I had a two-part message on the importance and the power of praying in tongues, and um, so the Lord said, not yet, and he, when I was just interceding over the service, the Lord brought something to my attention that I was praying out on Wednesday night. And if you're Wednesday night, we had just excellent service. Man, God showed a big time. Holy Spirit was thick in this place. And man. And as towards the end there, I was praying something out. And I prayed, and this is what came out of me, is the word that we have is a prevailing word. And the spirit that we've been given is a prevailing spirit. And, and so, so after I, w- I was just meditating on what I thought I was going to preach, and the Lord said, no, I want you to talk about the prevailing word. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 14, and I'm just going to follow the Holy Spirit with what I believe that he once deposited into our hearts, because anytime we have the opportunity to hear the word, we're setting ourselves up for our life to be changed. Every time that we hear the word, we're in a position to grow in faith. And I'm telling you, faith is a force. Faith is not a natural thing. Faith is a spiritual thing. Second Chronicles 14, and sake of time here, I'm gonna read in the Amplified. This verse four, it says, And commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers. And this is how the Amplified describes seek the Lord. To inquire of and for him and crave him as a vital necessity. And to obey the law and the commandment. Or we could say the word. If it's a command, you don't speak a command in silence. You're speaking words, right? Let's look at verse 7. It says, Therefore he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and surround them with walls, towers, gates, and bars. The land is still ours. Now think, listen to that statement. The land is still ours. The land is still ours. See, the, the enemy would tr- want to talk you out of what's yours, but, but here Asa, the king Asa is saying the land is still ours. Because we sought the Lord our God and we have sought him, yearning for him with our, all our desire, and he has given us rest and peace on every side. So they built and they prospered. Now look, let's look at verse 11. Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there's none beside you. Man, can you say that as well? There's none beside you. He says, there's none beside you to help, and it makes no difference to you whether the one you help is mighty or powerless. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And we go against this multitude in your name. O Lord, you are our God. Let no man prevail against you. 
Let no man prevail against you. The word prevail means to overcome every opposing force. He makes a declaration, we rely on you. Why were they relying on him? Because he was saying, no one can prevail against you, God. No one can prevail against you. I'm on your side. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 12. Ezekiel chapter 12. No one can prevail against our God. That's why, that's why he sought the Lord. That's why King Asa was saying, Lord, he's telling all of Judea, seek the Lord. Why? Because we're relying on you. We're relying on you. And no man can prevail against him. Ezekiel chapter 12. Let's look at verse 21. And read this thing Amplified. It says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, what is this proverb that you have in your land of Israel, saying, The days drag on, and every vision comes to nothing and is not fulfilled? Now, wait a minute. What is he? What proverb? What does he say? What proverb? What is this proverb that you have in your land of Israel saying the days drag on and every vision comes to nothing and is not fulfilled? So what was the proverb? The proverb was saying the days are dragging on and every vision comes to nothing and is not fulfilled. This word proverb here means popular sayings. Verse 22 says, tell them therefore, thus says the Lord, I'll put an end to this proverb. See, are you saying what God's saying or are you saying what the world's saying? These are popular sayings. There's, there's things that even in, in Christendom that we can, we can look at and we can hear. They sound like popular sayings and people will use it in a statement and might go through something in life and they'll use a scripture, but they'll say something like this, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be his name. We're like, well, pastor, that's scripture. I know it's scripture, but who said it? Job said it. God didn't say it. So there can be a popular saying, well, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. See, that can be a popular saying, but it's not a proverb that's come from God. Now, there's things that people have said, and I'm not sure where they heard this from, but they'll say statements like this, and someone, you know, gets like a big house or they get an airplane and they'll use a scripture like this they'll say well that could have been that could have been sold and given to the poor and they're like well who said that they're saying no they'll say Jesus said that I'm like Jesus didn't say that Judas said that Jesus never said that Judas said that so people be (laughs) quoting Judas and sound all spiritual. There are these proverbs. There's these problems that you're, these proverbs that you're holding on to, and, and, and you think they're gospel, or you think they're, they're from God, but they're not from God at all. 
And that's what was going on in their time. They're, they're like, man, we're going we're gonna to be in bondage forever. This is just dragging on. This bondage is forever. It's just dragging on and dragging. You have this proverb, this, these popular sayings. Well, just in, this, is, this, is, this is what my life is like. And God says, I'm going to put an end to your popular sayings. I'm going to put an end to your religious thinking. They even said that in Jeremiah 29. You know, we have the scripture where it says, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. See, most people don't realize why God was saying that. Why was God saying that? Because the prophets were declaring that they were going to be in bondage to Babylonia forever, Babylonians forever. And God's saying, I didn't say that. So write this letter and go read it in front of all the people. And so God tells Jeremiah this. He says, say this. He goes, yes, right now you're in captivity. But you know what? You're going to prosper. You're going to build houses. You're gonna, your, your sons and your daughters will be given in marriage. And, and this city is going to have peace because you're there. And he says, you're not even going to be diminished. Even though you're in bondage and you're in captivity, you're not going to miss a thing. There's nothing you're going to lack, even though you might look like bondage. And he's why? Because I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Let's not live on popular sayings. Let's live on the word of God. Let's live on the word of God. What are you building your life on? We have to build it upon the word of God. And what does he say here? He's tell them, therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will put an end to this proverb and they shall use it no more as a proverb in Israel, but say to them, the days are at hand and the fulfillment of every vision. Man, if you got a vision for your life, you need to hold on to this scripture. Don't allow the enemy to talk you out of your vision. Because he says here, he goes, the days are at hand. And the fulfillment of every vision. The days are at hand in the fulfillment of every vision. Hallelujah. We are, you are in your season of fulfillment. This is the year of the maximum. This, this is not something that we're waiting for. We are in the fulfillment of the year of the maximum. The days are at hand. Mean they're right here in the fulfillment of every vision. Why? For there shall be no more any false, empty, fruitless vision or flattering divination in the house of Israel. Why? For I am the Lord and I will speak and the word that I shall speak shall be performed come to pass. It shall be no more delayed or prolonged. For in your days, O rebellious house, I will speak the word and will perform it, says the Lord of God. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, behold, they of the house of Israel say, the vision that Ezekiel sees is for many days to come and the prophecies of the times that are, that are far off. Therefore say to them, thus says the Lord God, there shall be none of my words be deferred anymore, but the words which I have spoken shall shall be performed, says the Lord. Hallelujah. That's a prophetic word to this house this morning. This scripture, these were things written to Ezekiel for far off. And I believe they're written for our day. They're written for now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. We're not, we're not, we're, he says, no longer speak these fruitless, these prophecies, these empty prophecies. No, what's he saying? Get back to the word. Get back to what the word says. Get back to building your life upon the word because God's saying, I will bring my word to pass. I will prefer, perform my word. My word will not be deferred any longer. Hallelujah. And I declare over us as a body of believers that what God has spoken over your life and over a hair of faith will not be deferred any longer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time for the visions to be fulfilled. It's time for what God has envisioned the last day's church and what it looks like to not be deferred any longer. Hallelujah. Go to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. The word will come to pass. Hallelujah. It will be performed. He says, the word that I shall speak shall be performed. Isaiah 55. Mm. Well, mm. The king is alive. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His word is alive. Hallelujah. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heavens and return not there again, So just like the rain and the snow come down from heavens and they return not there again, but water the earth and make it bring forth and sprout that it may give give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So, it's an analogy here. So we could read it this way. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth and shall not return to me void without producing any effect useless, but it shall accomplish that which I please in purpose and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So just as you see the rain coming down, which we need to see some rain coming down in Fort Worth, Texas. Physically and spiritually. So just as you see natural rain in the same way is the word that has gone out of God's mouth. It says that he will, one translation says he will hasten to perform it. One says that he will accomplish it. Meaning, meaning when he spoke something, then all of a sudden now he's going to work. The moment he spoke it, then he began to work. See, the moment that we speak the word of God like God speaks his word, then all of a sudden things go into operation like when God spoke the word, things go into operation. As his word, as his word comes down, it says that it will do the same thing that rain does and the same thing that snow will do. What happens? It brings forth fruit. It will bring forth a harvest and it will prosper in the thing in which you sent it. The Word. The Word. His Word. What does Hebrews 1, 3 tells us? It says that He upholds all things. (coughs) I like another word in One translation says, he sustains, he supports everything 
with the word of his power. Everything with the word of his power. If you look at this book as just a religious fairy tale or a myth, then you're totally missing the point because everything in your life hinges upon what he spoke. And everything he spoke was to bring forth something, to accomplish something in our lives. What he spoke, he will perform. Hebrews 4 talks about and talks about how the children of Israel couldn't enter into a rest. And he, he talks about speaking of days yet to come. And he says, why? Because his word is alive. His word is alive. His word is alive. There is, there's force within it. Everything that we see around us, get a little deep here for a moment, a little scientific, ultimately is created by frequencies. Atoms, electrons, neutrons, even to the smaller level of an atom, everything is producing. You, you, you even look at heaven and they, you, they've, recorded, they've recorded the atmosphere and they've recorded space and there's sound there. Why? Because everything is done throughout in, in frequencies. So that's why we are to speak his word. That's why when he said light be, he, he, there was a frequency that it released that, to bring about creation. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, there was a frequency of heaven that he released. Why? Because he was doing the word. He was doing the word. There was some uh, scientist thing in, in, I think it was in Japan or China years ago. They, they had taken these water molecules and they had, they had, um, they had uh, turned this music on. And they had blasted this heavy metal screamo music to this one thing, of, uh, one thing of water as it was freezing. And they took this other element of water and they played this certain kind of classical music to it. And when it froze, the one that was over here, was, it, it was like chaotic looking and it was it was, a, it was a mess. But then this one, when it froze, it, it looked beautiful. It had all these intricate snowflake type things in it. And it was beautiful. Why? Because it was releasing a spirit. It was releasing something. So don't tell me your words don't have power. If God's words carry power, that means his word in our mouth will carry power. But also... The words that you're hearing that are popular sayings are also producing power. And God said, no, don't speak these proverbs anymore. These popular sayings. I wasn't planning on getting off all that. But so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. Hallelujah. The word. The word. Go to Matthew chapter 16. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and in Him was life, and that life was the light of men. It goes on to say, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. John chapter 1. Matthew chapter 16. 
Hallelujah. We are to build our lives upon the word of God. Matthew chapter 16, verse 12 says, And when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Who do men say that I the son of man am? So they said, Some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? See, Jesus wasn't asking for the popular sayings. He, wasn't, he didn't want to hear what everyone else thought of who Jesus was. He was wanting to hear of who do you say that I am. And that's why, well, some are saying this. Some say you're this person. Some say you're that person. Some say this. But who do you say that I am? What do you know about me? What words have you received from heaven? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you Simon Barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. You see, it was what the father spoke to Peter. It's what the father revealed. See, the word, if, when we read the word of God and we take the Holy Spirit, takes the word of God that we're reading, what happens is the spirit of God is bringing revelation. Amen. Revelation. That's why we meditate the word. Why? Because we need revelation. Revelation is a living word, not just a written word. Logos is the written word, but rhema is when the written word becomes revelation. And we don't need to live on just, I'm grateful for the written word, but the written word needs to turn into revelation. Because revelation, I can build my life upon. Revelation is now I can speak words that aren't confirming words, but I can speak now commanding words. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We believe, therefore we speak. Too often times we're speaking things, but we haven't got to the point of believing yet. We haven't got to the point of revelation yet. See, revelation, a prevailing word is a word that now is a word that has been revealed to you. Revelation. He's saying, Peter, flesh and blood didn't, didn't reveal this to you, but my father revealed this to you. Father, the father has given you a word about me. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you because of revelation. I tell you, revelation will take your life to a higher level. Revelation will take your life to a higher level. Blessed are you. Empowered to prosper are you when we step into and have revelation about something. A prevailing word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Go to Acts 19. Actually, I'm going too quick. Hold on. Now, this blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I'll build my church. Not building, we've heard this, not building the, the church on Peter, but building the church on the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now listen, and the gates of hell shall not what prevail against it. The gates shall not prevail 
against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against what? The word. Revelation. The gates of hell cannot prevail against revelation. Why? Because when you have a prevailing word, you're unmoved. You're unmoved. Go to Acts chapter 19. Acts 19. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Sake of time, let's look at verse 10. And this continued for two years. What does he mean? He's talking about they, they sat and preached the word. They were preaching the word for two years. And this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the what? Word. They heard the what? Word. All who dwelt there for two years heard the word? Has everyone in Crowley heard the word yet? Has everyone in South Fort Worth heard the word yet? We're going to bring it. Going to bring. But you know what? It's not. It's not just from this pulpit. And that word needs to come through you. That word needs to come through you. All who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Verse eleven. Now God worked unusual miracles. You see, I want, I want us to see here is when you have the word, you now have the work. All who dwelt in Asia heard the word in the Lord, uh, of, the Lord, of the Lord Jesus. So it wasn't just any word, but it was the word of the Lord Jesus. They were both Jews and Greeks. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from their body to the sick and the disease, the disease that left them and the evil spirits. You see, when the word is being preached, now let me say, when the word of the Lord Jesus is preaching, God works unusual miracles. Demons were cast out. And even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought and people were healed. Wow. The word. The word what produces the work. Let me show you. Because this is kind of like a, to me there's like a, it's almost like you have, when, sometimes I read the Bible and I'm like, it kind of didn't make sense. Why did, why are you putting this next part there? Because it's almost like it's not really like clicking to me and making sense on why it's there. And then he goes back and talks about something else. So he talks about many people were, had, had devils cast out, right? That's what it ended with. Said, so they left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Then all of a sudden it goes into this, verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, we exercise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven spirits of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? 
Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on overpowered them and, and, and the demon, or demons prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Then all of a sudden it says this. This became known to all the Jews and the Greeks. Now, you have to understand, this being known to all the Jews and the Greeks is not what about the, necessarily all, all about the seven sons of Sceva. Why the seven sons of Sceva and the, the Jewish priests couldn't cast the demon out was because they didn't have revelation of who Jesus is. They didn't have a prevailing word. And as long as they didn't have a prevailing word, the enemy prevailed over them. Now, let me read it this way. Let's go back up to verse 12. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Now verse 17. This became known both to all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. You see, there was a, there's a, that little excerpt there about that is just to explain people were trying to do what the disciples were doing and couldn't do it. But the fear that came upon them wasn't about being afraid of the demons. Why? Because if that was the case, then why would fear fall on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus would be magnified? Why? If fear came on them because of the demons, why would they fear Jesus? Why would then? Does that make sense? So the whole point of the name of Jesus being magnified had to do with what God was doing with the word. And he was working with the word. Now let's keep reading here. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. Now, listen to this. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Now, it's interesting. When the word and the works were taking place, it got spiritually, spiritual people hungry. Our world is hungry for spiritual things. And when the word and the works were taking place, the spiritual hunger, it got the attention of the people that were practicing magical arts. Our world needs to hear not a defeated word, they need to hear a prevailing word. And when we have a revelation of prevailing word, we'll see the works. Because after that, it says, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. The word grew. The word grew. The word grew. But if the word isn't growing in you, it won't grow in others. If the word isn't growing in you mightily, it won't prevail in a community. See how, how this, the preaching of the word and the works all of a sudden changed the culture of the entire community? But it's the word. It's the word. Thank you, Father, for the word. And the word grew mightily. The word releases manifestation. A prevailing word releases manifestation. Go to First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. 
Thank you, Father. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing because when you received what? When you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a word of men. You didn't welcome it as a popular saying, a proverb. For you welcomed it not as a word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Now, listen to this. The word of God, which effectively works in you who believe. So first they had to receive the word. And what happened? The word worked in them effectively. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Which also effectively works in you who believe. Now listen. For you brethren became imitators of the churches of God. Which are Judea and Christ Jesus. Get a picture of this. He's talking to the church of Thessalonica and he's saying, look, you've received it not as a word of man, but you received it as a word from God. And, when you, and that word was working effectively, effectively. You know what Pastor Billy is saying? You became just like the churches in Judea and the churches of God. What churches were you talking about? Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 17. You received the word of God. And that word was working into you effectively such to the point that you became imitators of the churches that were established when the church first began. You see, when we have the word of God and we manifest the works of God, we become the church of God in the book of Acts. And we become imitators of the church that was originally founded. I don't want to be the imitator of another church that might be in the community. I want to be an imitator of the heavenly church that God has ordained to be in these last days. And I'm telling you, it's going to have to be the word and the spirit coming together. The word and the spirit coming together. Go to 2 Thessalonians. You haven't turned me off yet since it's 1140, right? Thank you, Tony. (laughs) Second Thessalonians. Mm. Second Thessalonians. Thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Where do you want to start, Lord? Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Second time, let's look at verse 13. It says, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 13. But we're bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit And belief in what? The truth. So you got saved, not because God just chose this select people to be saved. 
God, God, showed, God said this, he goes, because you believe the truth. It was their choice to believe the truth. You believed the, cho- the truth. You believed the word. The sanctification by the spirit and belief by the word to which he called you by our gospel. By our gospel. By our gospel. Gospel is, is words. You preach what? The gospel. And you have to preach it with words. <laughs> we can manifest it in actions, but it has to be preached with words. For the attaining of, uh, it says, uh, to which he, for which he called you by, by our gospel, by our words, for the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Now listen to this, and hold. Say hold. So I'm standing fast and I'm holding the traditions which you were taught. Now it's not saying the traditions of your ancestors. It's not your religious, your, your religious past or the rules of a denomination. We're holding fast, we're, we're standing fast and holding the traditions which you were taught. Now listen whether by word or our epistle. So Paul's saying whether it came from the word or it came by my letters. So I'm holding fast to that, standing fast and holding to the word, verse, verse 16. Now, because you're holding to the word and our epistle, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself. But what happened to happen first? What had to happen first? Holding to the word. Now. Say now. now. Say this. I'm holding to the word. I'm standing fast with the word. Now. So I'm doing this, okay? Then it says this. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us an everlasting consolation. That means a better translation is an eternal encouragement. You have an eternal encouragement and a good hope. I mean, a joyful expectation. Because of what I'm holding to, because I'm standing fast with the word and holding to the word, now I have, I have a forever encouragement and I have a joyful expectation. Do you see that? So when I stand fast with the word and I hold to the word, I have an encouragement that no one can take from me. Because I'm holding to the word and I'm standing fast to the word, I have a joyful expectation. Woo! I have a joyful expectation. See, you haven't, it hasn't become revelation to you until you're encouraged in the word and you have a joyful expectation. If I'm just reading the word and it hasn't provoked something in me, it hasn't become a prevailing word yet. Because a word from God should produce something in me. Hallelujah. So this word produces a eternal consolation, a joyful expectation. Now listen, by grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you, now listen to this, in every good word and work. So this word that is establishing me, it's establishing me in every good word 
and work. Meaning what I'm building my life upon this prevailing word is going to affect what I speak and it's going to affect how I work. Because the word, a prevailing word, produces manifestation. Hallelujah. Go to Second Peter. Second Peter. You have time for three more scriptures. Well, three more at least chapters. So. Say thank God for the prevailing word. Hmm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Father. Second Peter, I think it's chapter one. Mm. It says, verse 16 says, For we didn't follow cunning devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You could say, I didn't come to you with a popular proverb. I didn't come to you with popular sayings. For we did not follow cunning devised fables when we made known to you the power in coming. How could they make it known? By words. Wasn't going to just be osmosis to stand next to them and all of a sudden they're going to know about the power in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, there's a time where, where your lifestyle and the how you live can provoke a change in someone's life. But ultimately, they're going to need to hear your revelation about your God. So you're saying, I didn't come to you in these, the, the, this, these cunning fables, but I came to you to make known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says this, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Meaning, Peter's saying, it wasn't just a word, but I'm speaking from experience. Courtney, he's saying, I've, I had an experience with him. I'm not just coming to you with a word, but I'm coming to you with my, I saw him. I saw him in his glory. I saw him when light shone about him. And I, not only that, but I heard a word from heaven myself that said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Verse 17 says, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. I'm telling you, there's a glory, but then there's an excellent glory. (laughs) Hmm. He said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Verse 19, And so we have... The prophetic word confirmed. I like how the King James says it. King James says, but we have a more sure word. How could you even say that when you actually saw him on the mountain? And he says, we have a more sure word. And what does he tell them to do? And we have a more sure word. New King James says, and we have the prophetic word confirmed. Like I said, a more sure word. Now listen, which you will do well to heed. 
as a light that shines in a dark place. What is he saying? I came to the I came to you to make known the word of who Jesus is. And we have this more sure word. And you take heed to that word because that word is like a light that's shining in a dark place. I don't know where you might be in your life right now. I don't know what you might be facing and what you're going through. But when you get a prevailing word, hold to it because it will be like a light in a dark place. And he tells them, he says, he goes, you hold on to that word until day dawn rises in your heart and the morning star is revealed. What is he saying? He's saying, you hold on to that word until you see manifestation. You hold on to that word until you see like You hold on to that word until you see the manifestation of Jesus. You take hold of that word until you see the manifestation of the power of God and the glory of God and the strength of God. And if you keep reading, he goes in and he talks about, he goes, no, no prophecy is of private inter- interpretation, but he says, but when, the, but when the men of God wrote, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, that means we're to hold to this word and we're to hold on to it as like a light in a dark place. We have a more sure word. Let me close with this. Go to... Psalms 93, I think. And more. This word is sure. His word is sure. Thank you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. I believe it is 93 yes it's 93 verse 1 the Lord reigns Mm. man can anything else be said but besides that come on I mean enough said the Lord reigns he is clothed with majesty the Lord is clothed he has girded himself with strength Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Why would they say that? Because God reigns and he's the one that spoke it. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. The flood, now listen to this. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. I'm telling you, your storm will have a voice. Your circumstances will have a voice. Your finances will have a voice. The symptoms in your body will have a voice. Your mind will have a voice. The enemy will try to find access to have a voice to tell you what you can't do, what you're not, what would never happen, how you're a failure, you'll never amount to anything. You'll be just like they always said you would be. The storm has a voice. The floods have lifted up their voice. Now listen, the floods lift up their waves. 
So not only are you going to hear the storm, but you're going to see the storm. Verse, uh, I think it's verse four. The Lord on high, now listen, is mightier than the noise of many waters. Meaning it doesn't matter the noise of the storm. It doesn't matter how high the waves might look. It tells us here, the Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. So even it just qualifies who God is and that he reigns. And say it doesn't matter how loud the storm is. It doesn't matter how high the waves is. The, the Lord is mightier than the sound and the Lord is mightier than the waves. And then verse 5 He says this, your testimonies are very sure. Your testimonies are very sure. Go go to 111. Sorry, I lied. Psalms 111. Thank you, Father. Just go ahead and stand to your feet. Mm. Mm. A prevailing word. Mm. Woo. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Father. Look at verse 2. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious. And his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He has given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. We could say it this way. He will be ever mindful of his word. He has declared. So if he declared something, he had to use words. He has Declared his word to his people, the power of his works. He has declared to his people the power of his works. So, so listen to that. He's ever mindful of his word, and he has declared to his people the power of his works. So, what does he do? He's released words, and he releases works. Mm. In giving them the heritage of the nations. Hallelujah. Mm. The works of his hand are verity and justice. You say truth and justice. And all his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever. And are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. We have a prevailing word, and it's sure. It's steadfast. You know what? I'm born again today because of what the word of God says. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23 through 25 tells us that we've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed. We've been born again, not of a corruptible seed. I mean, that's a seed that has a defect. But we've been born again by an incorruptible seed. That means something that doesn't have a defect. 
And it said that the word lives and abides forever. Let's build our life upon it. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, he's here today to bring you into his kingdom, to make you new, a new creation in Christ Jesus. And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you would die today and you don't know where you would spend eternity, and you don't have that that surety, that prevailing faith that I'm born again. And you say, well, well, Pastor Justin, how would I even know that? The Bible tells us that our spirit bears witness with his spirit that we're children of God. So if there's a fear on the inside of you that says, Pastor, I don't know if I, I, I would enter into eternity. I don't know if I died right this moment, if I'd spend eternity with him or I go to, I go to hell. I want you to know today, hell was not created for humanity. God did not create hell for, for humans, for, for people. It says he created it for Satan and his angels. Hell is not hell because hell's hot. Hell is hell because God's not there. It just, it frustrates me when I hear secular people trying to celebrate hell. Like we're going to have a party. Yeah, right. You have no, we have no clue what it means to be separated from God from a natural standpoint. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life or you know if you died right now, you you don't know where you would spend eternity. I want to give you the opportunity just by the lifting of your hand on the count of three and say, Pastor, I, I need this Jesus. I want this Jesus in my life. I need this word. I, I, need, I, I need what the, what the book of the Acts needed, people that book of Acts needed. I need what they needed. I'm, I'm tired of just going around, just going through the motions. I'm ready for something extraordinary to happen, not just up here, in here, just totally change. So if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and you don't have a knowing that you would go to heaven, to slip your hand up. Three, two, one. Slip up your hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I don't want to assume every person here is born again. If you did raise your hand and I couldn't see it, I want you to just make your way out of the aisle and come to the altar. And we want to introduce you to Jesus. I don't know if I saw any hands, but I don't want to, I don't want to take for granted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Kyle, Kyle, would you pray for me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Now, see, now is the day of salvation. Now, right now is the time of salvation. Just bow your head. 
Hallelujah. Maybe you say, Pastor Justin, I, I, I just didn't want to be looked at. I didn't want to be singled out. And, but I need this Jesus. Repeat this prayer. Everyone repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I bring my life before you today as an act of my will, a choice to surrender. I give you all that I am. I release every sin in every weight and every care over to you. I receive today that what Jesus did was enough and will always be enough. I receive this new creation, life down on the inside of me. Old things passed away and behold, all things become new. Today, I choose to be a child of God. Thank you for sending Jesus for Him to pay for my sins and my failures. I receive Him today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now if you could do this, if you prayed that and, and you, you meant it with your heart, tell the person next to you. Let someone know that you prayed that prayer today. Go to, our first time, go to our leadership in the lobby. Let them know that you prayed that prayer for the first time today. And we want to bring discipleship into your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You received this word today? Well, give them a shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You can go ahead and be seated.